Welcome to Ticket to Gamehenge, the podcast that discusses the science behind how to get your friends and family to love our favorite band, Fish, as well as other fish-related topics from the community. You can grab a free chapter of the book at TicketToGameHenge.com. My name is Adam, and joining me as always is my good buddy, Dr. K. All right, and here we go, back at it once again. It is uh, April the 20th. Some people out in the world refer to it as 420. Normally springtime, we're getting a lot of snow tonight, um, but that's okay. I've been actually reflecting and reading a lot about the recording of Farmhouse, which was the first album to be recorded in the barn. And a big thing there was that it was snowing a lot of the time. In fact, a couple of times while recording that album, they got snowed in. Um, Ticket to Gamehenge, welcome to it. Uh, First thing off the hop, I received a ton, a ton of uh, backlash and negative feedback from the Ticket to Gamehenge fans out there. Um, Not really, but I was thinking about... uh, within about an hour of recording last week, I'm driving to work and I'm thinking about the albums that I had talked about and uh, the the title of our podcast, Ticket to Gamehenge. And I didn't even mention the man who stepped into yesterday. Um, Now that's not officially a Fish album release. It's Trey's senior thesis from Goddard College. Um, But uh, I guess we will talk about it a little bit. It's too bad there isn't a good official release of that. You have to find it on YouTube or download it somewhere but um pretty great album right we're not gonna not gonna sugarcoat it that's uh you know pretty awesome um but yeah i don't know why i left it out last week i think it's because i didn't really actively go and listen to it because i was sticking to everything that's on the app because it, because give yourself a break it hasn't been released yeah it's not released right like you'd have to do it through a live show they played it live that was the release yeah yeah fair enough um but definitely a must listen for any uh, fan. If you're starting to get into fish or if you're already into it, uh, go back and take, and take a listen to that very, very ambitious, um, incredible album. When you think about the story and how it all kind of came together and um, some really, really good stuff there. I, um, so I think last week when we left off, I was in the middle of Scent of a Mule from Hoist. Uh, from there, I moved on to Billy Breathes. Not, not, you know, nothing really stand out in terms of, um, anything from that album other than it was the first album I think produced by a major producer and Steve Lillywhite and you can kind of hear that in a lot of the quality yeah. of the sound. Um, you also think about mid-90s and the state of music and where Fish was at that point although they recorded it mostly in late 95. Um, good album but I was while I was listening to Billy Breeze I was getting really excited to listen to Story of a Ghost. Like that was one that I was really looking forward to. I was doing my best really to kind of stay in the moment with the album and everything that I was absorbing. But, you know, it's tough when you know what's coming. When we listen to a live show, we go in blind and everything's a surprise and it's great. But when you know and you have that ability to anticipate, it sort of changed my mindset a bit. So I was listening to Story of the Ghost. I forget what day last week. And I texted you something. Do you remember? Yeah, you texted. These songs are way too short. Yeah. Way too short. I mean, I get it. It, it. it was 1998 and they had to drop an album and, you know, you're going to do four and five minute tracks on an album. It, it's just interesting how much those songs have evolved since that album came out and the 23 some odd years since that came out. And let's be real, a lot of those songs started in 96, 97. Um, it's your favorite album, if I'm not mistaken, right? You are correct, sir. Yes. Um, is it is it the best? Mm, that's That's a tough one. So um, I've, I've, uh, for me, for me, there's a difference between, for me, there's a difference between favorite and best. 
Sure. Um, you know, fa- it's the favor for me just because it aligned at like a certain time in my life. And, and, you know, you have, for lack of better terms, nostalgia around it. There's certain things that happened around it. Uh, now, objectively the best, I don't know. I think we should have a conversation around what we think is, I think we should ask ourselves and ask each other and ask people that are listening, what's the best album? What's your favorite album? What's the most underrated album? And what's the worst album? Okay. Um, okay, so why don't I quickly sort of go through my listing yeah. and we'll come back and start to answer yeah. one of those questions. So, um, Story of a Ghost, yeah. awesome. Uh, next up after that was Farmhouse. Um, for me, a very nostalgic album. The second one that I purchased after after Rift, and it was brand new when I purchased it, and was also in anticipation of going to see my first Fish show in, this would have been July of 2000, and that album dropped in May of 2000. So. Yeah. Uh, I remember going to that show, really hoping to hear a few tracks from it and got lucky enough to hear First Tube and In La Josie Wales. And um, I think we got heavy things that night too. We did, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I I sent you an article from Jam Base about a cluster of flies. Um, uh, it's uh, a cluster flies companion. So uh, it's a nice little article on jambase.com. And by little article, I don't mean that at all. It's pretty long but it goes in a lot of great detail about the making of Farmhouse and the evolution of the band at that time. And it, I think for any fan, if you haven't gone back and revisited that, it's totally worth checking out. Um, really like the stuff in there about uh, three particular songs, Gotta Jabu, First Tube and Sand. Um, how Trey had written those with um, uh, Tony Markellis and Russ Lawton from uh, Tab. He had yeah. created those songs. Um, and reading through the article, Trey says that he purposely did a tour, a trio tour with the two of those guys with the intent of building more music for Fish. That it was basically somewhat of a writing exercise for him. And uh, they had really been focusing as a group, Fish, on becoming more groove-based in 96, right? And, um, but he always felt that, you know, they needed something more. So he started playing more with Tony and Russ and the line that he says about Tony is that Tony only does bass lines. He's never done a solo in his life. He yep. just wants to groove. Keeps, keeps the groove. Yeah, it's all about keeping that groove. And uh, some really interesting bits in there about taking those grooves, bringing them to Fish with Mike and Fishman, and having them sort of adapt and learn, you know, because those guys that are very rhythm-based, to, to learn somebody else's groove is somewhat unnatural from, from what I gather. And it took them a little bit of time to sort of figure out how to play those songs. But once they did, it really started to click in. Um, there's a really good mention of a show in, uh, I want to say it was 97 or 99. I'm not sure. I've lost it already. But they're talking about God of Jabu and um at a live show and during the set break they're all in sort of like the back mulling and they're doing their best to honor the no analyzing rule that the band has or that they created at some point but the tension was just really really high after playing god of jabu not playing it very well you know and uh it was the last show before going to record farmhouse um and they figured it out that it was just basically the way that fishman was playing the ride cymbal he wasn't playing it with a swing. He was playing it straight. And that was the thing within the song that threw all of them off, that they figured it out. And then they got back on that. And had it, had it not been for that discovery, they don't think that God of Jabu would have made it on the album because Fishman wasn't playing it the way it kind of meant to be played. So just really, really good detail in that article talking about the, um, 
the the seven or eight weekends that uh, Trey and Tom Marshall would go off and record and the bulk of material that came out of those for both Story of a Ghost and, and Farmhouse and what it really did to their live repertoire um, those weekends and creating those songs is pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. So read it, check it out. I think um, it's a must. The part that um, the part that I like that I really liked and you didn't mention it because we're very we're very different people. But the part from what I've read, I haven't read all of it was uh the part where he talked about that really all the songs were just written for trey and tom's enjoyment yeah <laughs> yeah right yeah. but yeah. but think about that you know like how many so, so i just find it you know i i find it almost um i find it almost it's almost like a paradox right you because when people sit down to write most people are writing songs that they think are going to be popular or accepted mm. right it's mostly to, to to get ahead or to get discovered you yep. know i don't i don't i don't foresee that being really different maybe a little bit different now than what it was even when these songs were being written these two jokers just wanted to write music that made them laugh and to have a good time yeah and, it, and it, go ahead sorry yeah and as a result like millions of people love these songs yeah there was a good trade quote in there that those weekends of getting together were more about hanging out as buddies than it was about making music. The music was yeah. a byproduct of the great weekend, you know, just like when we all get together, you know, we all have fun, but the by byproduct is all the stories and all the crap that we end up doing. So um, again, I think it kind of comes back to the people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And, I agree. Uh, you know, completely genuine. Um, but it's cool to hear the stories of like Trey staying up till 4 a.m., putting the background vocals into twist, and then Tom waking up and joining in and adding the woos and all the different things that ended up in the actual track. It, it's just uh, really, really neat. Uh, a, a little bit of info there, too, about, um, you know, Russ and Tony uh, getting used to the thought of Fish playing songs that they wrote, Sand, Gotta Jabu, and First Tube, right? Um, there's a little, little bit in there about First Tube where Trey just said to, um, to Russ, play the play play the beat you've been playing since you were 12 years old. Just just play just play a beat, which is the beat for first two. And then they just the way he built it. Really, really fascinating stuff. So take a take a read through that. I'm I'm not even, I think I'm only halfway through that article. There's a lot in there. I think um I think one of the things that goes underappreciated too about Trey Anastasio is um he seems to really know the musicians that he's working with. Mm -hmm and how to get the best out of them. Yeah. Like he definitely, it almost seems like it's a unique ability. You know, there's this just, there's, there's this one video, I think you sent it to me or somebody, I clicked on it. It was the one where he is playing with like the orchestra, like the, like the kids orchestra Yeah. in like Vermont or whatever. And like, he tells the kid, he's like, you just play that and then we'll go around that. You know, and he, and he makes it a goal to try to get every musician's voice on the recording. Yeah, I, I think it probably goes deeper than just musical knowledge too. I think it's a, a personality trait with I him. think so too. That's what I'm that's exactly what I'm saying. You think about inclusivity and collaboration and that yes and type of a mentality. And uh I think also a complete confidence in his ability to work within other people's framework. You know, I think about his flexibility as a musician and um, even in that same article talking about hearing sounds in the streets, that there is a music that's around you all the time and being able to sort of pull that stuff out the way he's able to. It's, um, yeah, and, and anything you see or hear about people working with Trey, it's overwhelmingly positive and encouraging and uh, how great of an experience it was for people that were able to do that. So, um, 
pretty awesome all kind of wrapped up in all the success that he's had uh so yeah farmhouse great one then i did listen to sick at disc i uh, definitely yep. made that effort and i will say i haven't listened to it in probably 20 years i i bought it when it came out because it came out just after the hiatus was announced and didn't know if there's going to be any more new music from fish um so I, I really enjoyed it especially what's the use i mean that's that's a that's a total highlight on there but uh i enjoyed it much more than i remembered enjoying it 20 years ago and that's, you know, I, I think it comes back to like, you know, the jams and all that fun jazz. So then break happens. But for me, I, I, I went right literally in from okay. Thicket right into Round Room. And it was sort of weird listening to it because I instantly made that leap. But I do remember that break, that two-year break and Round Room coming out, going out to get it and listening to hear how different of a sound it was. Um, and I like Round Room. I, uh, it's too bad there's quite a few songs in there that aren't really in the rotation anymore, but I'm looking at this from top to bottom. I mean, Pebbles and Marbles as an opener, 11 minutes, like on an album, so good. Um, a lot of really, really good tracks on that. Um, and yeah, I think it was really encouraging to hear the band at that time where they were going. I remember listening to that album a lot that summer when it came out. And then Undermine. So I think up to this point, I was texting you that a lot of the songs on Farmhouse were too short. And then I wrote Ron Room was too Ron Room was too short, you said. And then Undermine was these songs are too long. <laughs> so <laughs> they need to be shorter. Yeah. So I got to Undermine, and uh, you know, it was potentially the band Swan Song album. You know, when I think back, like what if this was the last album? What if it did end uh after the 2.0? And there are some good things on there. Um but I just, I don't know, the album just didn't really grip me the way that all of the other ones did. And I haven't gotten to Flago, Big Boat and everything else yet. I mean, I, uh, I don't know. I think this was a bit of a bit of a misstep. Um, it just, I'm just looking at it. There's, you know, Sense and Subtle Sounds. It's good. Song I Hear the Ocean Sing. Would love to hear that live. Um, but apart from that, Army of One, I love Paige uh grind grind is fun when they do it when they add in how many days they've been alive and all that jazz but oh man i don't know undermine is good undermine is good but our uh crowd crowd control okay maggie's revenge mm -mm, not not a big fan nothing nah two versions of me access me i i don't think access me is a good song i'm sorry it's just not good uh tomorrow's song a secret smile tiny i don't know man i don't know just it, it, it isn't it isn't in it's on the bottom of my list. I think yep. that, I think it's uh, personally, um, not that it's, like, I don't want to say it's bad. I don't think it's the right word. It's just, if I had to force rank every album, that one's at the yeah. bottom of my list. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, but you think it's one of their most underrated albums. I think it's an underrated one. Yeah, I like it. Okay. I think people, I think people shit on it. I think the songs are good. And it's funny, like, I think if I had to force rank, um, all of the fish songs i think um i'm blanking at the title you just said it access me no no the song i song i heard the ocean sing that's like i think that would be my least favorite fish song is on the album and i still think it's the most underrated album but 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 it's your least favorite song yeah of all yeah. like the whole library or on album? yeah 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 i don't love it I don't love okay. it. Do you still listen to it when it plays though? You, All you, the time. You get like keep in, keep in mind, like we're setting context here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, you know, like <laughs> there's, 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 there's not a bad, there's not a bad song. There's not, Fish has never played a song anymore that I hear. When I was younger, it was different. 
But yeah. now there's not a song that I would consider this is a bad song. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so maybe I'll have to give it another go or, uh, you know, as those songs continue to get played live again or as I continue to listen to 3.0. Now, my, le my least favorite album. So that one I think would be most underrated. That one or maybe Fuego. Because again, people, you know, I think you're in the consensus. I think a lot of people don't like it. My least favorite one is actually Big Bo. Really? Okay. Yeah. So... Um, I do want to toss out real quick, it's totally worth a listen, is the uh, Headphones Jam from 2004. It was done in conjunction yeah. with Undermine. It's just one 47-minute jam, but that's a good listen. Um, and for me, it was nice because I've been listening to just exclusively Studio Fish, so to listen to a jam that felt more like some live music, for me, was yeah. a bit of a nice break when I was in the middle of all of that. Um, I didn't, There's so many... Um, solo albums in this in this time right when they're on the break if you start to look through the browse by album feature in the app there's a there's a ton in there uh so let me get to joy in 2009 we talked about that album quite a bit um also produced by steve lillywhite who did billy breeze in 96 yep. um although most of the songs with the exception of time turns elastic are pretty short i think it's a solid album from top to bottom it holds i like that one I like that one a lot. It really, really holds up when you think about the return after that break and a clearly different feeling album compared to everything else that precedes it. But uh, those songs are still in rotation. I mean, every single one of them, except for... Except for... <laughs> What's that? Except for which one? Except for TTE. <laughs> one of the things that I like, and this is like one of my favorite little recurring jokes with Fish, is I've been around. Hey, Paige, where you been? It's, you know, so... They come back, you're listening to the album, okay, and that little bit of fish humor still makes it in, right? I kind of like that, that they, uh, you know, still snuck that in. I, from there, went right into Party Time, which is essentially a, a B-side bonus to Joy, and uh, some good tunes on that. If I remember correctly, you don't like Alaska very much, right? No, that was you. I love Alaska. Okay, so I've kind of changed my tune on that. I like it more and more. <laughs> thanks um, for thanks for trying to pin that one on me, but I, I thought it was you. I thought it's Death Don't Hurt. <laughs> I love that It's one that you don't like, right? Death Don't Hurt. I love Alaska, and I love Party Time. Party Time. When they play Party Time, I don't know. That's such a good song. Yeah. Um, and then a big break in terms of albums, touring relentlessly from 2009 until 2014, five years until Fuego comes out. Um, Fuego itself, great, great song. Um, I love Halfway halfway to the Moon. Oh yeah, that's a good song. Uh, yeah, really, really good. Love Winter Queen, don't hear it a lot. I really, um, Winter Queen, when uh, Trey played it at Beacon Jams was one that really kind of opened my eyes to that song. Yeah. Listening to it, 555 is, is, is always good. Wombat, coming back to what are your favorite animal theme songs? Wom I was actually doing Wombat yesterday and everyone was looking at me. I had to have that. Yeah, what the hell's wrong with you? Is that a song? Is that really a song? Yeah. Fuego, Fuego is is the one album that took me, the I think, the longest to like because I was like, what? Because it's it's really structured, right? And even when they play the songs, they're it's really composed and there's not a lot of jamming, but I'm really starting, I think I like all those songs. Yeah. Yeah, Wingsuit, we got to hear a couple of years ago. Um, yep. What a good listen. And then after Fuego, we go into Big Boat, 2016, two years later. Uh, some, yeah, I mean, I, I know it's not well, you know, revered, I guess, but some favorites of mine, Blaze On, it's a pretty obvious one. We commented on with today being 420, the runtime of that song, uh, four minutes and 20. 420, right on, right on the second, yeah. Yeah. Um, Breath and Burning. It's always, always good. Uh, no Man in No Man's Land. That's one you don't like, right? 
Uh, I love it for the jam. The jam's always good. Okay. Um, miss you. Ah, I always wanted it this way. Yes. I love that song. Yeah, you like that one, eh? I, I, just, I just love the feeling of it. And then although it's, it's not really played a lot, uh, Petrichor, which um, I love Petrichor. Petrichor, I'm just predicting it's going to go the way of TTE, man. It seems to be. Seems to be. I think those songs now with the fan base and the way their live shows are structured, those newer, longer compositions, if it's, I think the general feeling from the fans is if one of those songs is going to take away from a 1.0 composition within the set, they'd rather have the 1.0. Yeah, but the energy, the energy of the song is totally different. You know, I don't think, I don't think people, I don't know, man. I think I don't like this song for some people is really... I want to hear a song that makes me go crazy and that's an awesome jam and times turns elastic and Petrichor are not those songs. It's true. There are times in those songs that they have their peaks, but you're right. Overall, the whole scope of it. Yeah. Um, and then on to uh, uh, Kosvat Vakst, I rock, Vassal Plant into rock. Um, I love every song on that album. Yeah, me too. And you know, after listening, one of my favorite tours is 2019 and, and a lot of these tracks are clearly on there. Um, bright white light shining right between my eyes. It's your line, buddy. <laughs> in fact, right now, look look at the little streak. There's a bright white light shining right um, in your eyes. But you know, you're looking at, at, at the legs that these songs already have and they're only, you know, two and a half years old. Turtle, great song, Stray Dog, uh, Everything is Hollow. I, <laughs> this is another one that I, um, mentioned the name of the song and Megan just shook her head. We are come to outlive our brains. Oh, that song is awesome, man. It is. I said that title oh. and shook her head, but she let me explain why it's called that and the whole idea of Kazvat Vakst and, and they're and they're translating phonetically what and then she was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. But I think she was just she me. Let me. <laughs> you had you had me at she let me explain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um say it say it to me, Santos. And I forgot what that stands for, but uh I, I said that on a prior prior podcast, what Santos stands for. Final hurrah, great play by play death don't hurt, hurt very long which you weren't a big fan of for a while but i think you yeah i'm still i'm still uh, about it yeah cool amber and mercury really good um and i really like on the end of passing through first time the fans had ever heard this right and at the end they're singing along right they, these are a lot of good like arena rock sing-along songs yeah um, yeah it's, it's by design and uh i'm still just amazed and blown away by how that album was conceptualized and pulled off and the whole thing, the whole thing. All comes back to Magna Ball, I'm sorry, Curveball not happening. The Curveball right. happens, we don't get Cosmic Boxed. So, um, <clears throat> and then lastly, kind of talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the anniversary, Sigma Oasis, which um, I think still really holds up. I love listening to that album. It sounds great. The songs are great. The jams are great. I, yeah, um, I agree. I agree. really, really, really like it. So, um, interesting little journey going through all of those. I, I, I think as it pertains to this podcast, um, was thinking about, you know, last week, the song Send of a Mule, recommending that version to somebody who might not like it. I think, you know, there's a lot of people out there that would ask, okay, if I'm going to listen to Fish, what album should I listen to? Um, mm -hmm. You know, and they should be listening to a live show, but uh, I what would you say now? What would you, where would you send somebody if you had to send them a, an album that like really exemplified like what fish was what would you tell them to listen to because i think i would say sigma oasis i was leaning just as you're asking i was thinking that because it has a little bit of everything 
it has yeah. some, you know, if you're trying to get somebody to like them, it has some, um, like that opening track, Sigma Oasis, I think is very listener friendly. It could be a radio song if they wanted it to be. Mm. Um, I don't think there's anything too out there that would turn people off too much in Sigma Oasis. Um, yeah, I would say that if it was a 1.0, probably be Ghost or Farmhouse, you know, I would say. And a two, uh, you have to be pretty ambitious to uh, take Round Room or Undermind as the album, as the recommendation to represent. Um, oh, you would, I would take Round Room for sure. But so um, your favorite album, Story of the Ghost. My favorite yeah. album, I'm going to say, is Rift. Um, Respect. Most underrated. Now, you think it's Undermined? For most underrated? Yeah, you think it's Undermined? Yeah, just because of the level of. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it's like the greatest album. I can definitely like see how it would be like, oh, this is a weaker album, but like people hate it. Yeah. That's pretty strong, man. There's a lot of good that's come out of that album. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I definitely don't hate it. I mean, in terms of underrated, I don't know how many of them are really rated, but I, I would say Round Room, although it's really good. <laughs> um, I don't know. Round Room doesn't seem to get shit on that much, right? Like the albums that really seem to get shit on are Undermine, uh, Fuego, uh, Big Boat. Okay, then I'm gonna say Big Boat. Most underrated. yeah, respect. There's a lot, and then now the best. What is like categorically the best album? It's got to be. Uh, I would. It, I don't think that it sounds the best. Right. But I think you would, I, I would be hard. It's, I think it's a tie. I don't know which one I'm still kind of deciding. I think it, you'd have to go with Genta or Lawn Boy. Lawn Boy? Mm. Mm. Like, think, dude, think of Lawn Boy. Just think of it. Think yeah. of it. Reba, bouncing around the room, split open and melt, Antelope. bathtub gin, the squirming coil. Like, Jesus. <laughs> well, think about Genta. Yeah. I know. I know. That's what I mean. Like, I, me. you enjoy myself. <laughs> Esther, boom. Oh my God. Uh, pretty awesome. Here's a question. What is the best song to not be on a studio album? There are a lot of great, great songs oh, that aren't that's on a album. good question, man. I've got the a couple best, of mine from the early the best. Oh, shit. Well, here, you start talking while I think, because I have to like, now I have to categorize everything. Yeah, two, the two that stick out to me are Harry Hood, right? Not on an album. Uh, wait a second isn't it, it technically is it's on the white disc or the white album the white tape Harry Hood? no really no no i don't know i know it was two weeks ago since i listened to it but i don't believe so uh alumni blues and then so did bed you enjoy myself acdc bank fuck your face divided sky slave aftermath ingest no2 fluffs travels dog on dog wrong nope yeah okay. harry Hood. Oh, p.s fuck your face is an awesome song <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it's a good cover um so i'm gonna say harry hood yeah punch you in the eye yeah it's not an album um um maki supa or i mean you know uh and that was nicu is another good one that i really really like that's not on out on an album yep what about for you oh man well, just because it's top of mind, I can't think of the songs. I can't categorize it fast enough, right? So I don't know. Those are pretty good choices to me. I'll give you a week. You'll have to come back and give me something. Sure. But, um, 
Yeah, it kind of reminds me of Dave Matthews in that sense. They have so many songs that are considered in, in they're in the rotation. They're very good. They just I've never put them on an album. They just never yeah, bothered. Yeah. They just got written at a weird time and didn't fit in with whatever they were doing. So they just didn't bother. And I, I guess for some of those songs for Fish to go back and put Harry Hood on an album now, and like, come on, I'm not not gonna bother. Um, yeah, but those are a few that I can sort of think of. Um like up until recently, I would put Mercury in that category or Thread or Steam, but there they are on Sigma Oasis. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, what else did I have written down for today? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I just started listening to the beginning of the 2011 summer tour. So I'm back into Live Fish. I'm continuing in the order. So I'm on May 27th from Bethel, New York. Um, <laughs> I started, uh, I started, it's on my birthday, uh, 11, 11, 13, 97, taking, taking over America. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a classic. Um, still, still no updates on uh, tour dates or any of that stuff. There's a lot of rumors flying around. There's, uh, you and I can buck our vaccinations now if we want to, which is good. So there's more and more people getting vaccinated and uh, dates popping up for other bands in the fall, but nothing confirmed for fish. So Either yeah. way, I'm surprised now. We're what, April the 20th. We're less than three months from the start of the tour and nothing. Like, as it gets closer and closer with no announcement, it makes me wonder, is it possible? Like, is this going to happen? You're erring, on, you're erring on the side of no announcement means we're doing it. I'm assuming still no. I'm not. When I think of August, I don't see myself in Hershey. But if I am, great. I'll be happy. Strange, stranger things have happened. It's a true story. So... I guess we just wait on that. We wait on another uh, dinner and a movie. Hopefully, we wait on other new content or 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 stuff. But um, if anyone's if if anyone's listening that has any authority over anything, please leave up the the island tour on YouTube. Can we just leave that one up there? Yeah, maybe. Like I'm... I've gone back. I've already like gone back and like listened to like tracks on it like three or four times on YouTube. Have you? Wow. Yeah. Wow. We were watching just the other day, uh, having lunch, the girls wanted to put on some music. So I put on Fish. I just went on the Fish page and started playing it. And uh, um, they were really, really grooving to, um, I think it's, I don't know if it's Blaze On or Everything's Right from Mine Riviera 2020. Uh, a good, a good long jam version of Everything, it. Everything's Right. It is Everything's Right. I thought so. And uh, yeah. yeah, the kids were into it. We're jamming. We're jamming. It's a good jam. It's a good yeah. jam. They, they do that one really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could waste a lot of time on YouTube. The only thing is that uh, there's not a lot of full shows, but you can just go from track to track, song to song. Um, I just, it's so funny. I, I, I actually dislike doing that. Yeah. I want to sit down. I want to hear the whole story. I don't want to hear, you know, I don't want to hear the climax. I want the start. I want the down parts. I want the less than awesome parts. I want the climax and I want the end. Mm. Mm. I get that. I get that, but I typically only put that on if I'm up to something else. If I'm sitting down to, to yeah, watch, I think I'm with you. But if I'm doing something around the house and yeah, respect, it's just in the background, then you know, there you go. But respect, 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 for sure. All right, my friend. Um, I guess this wraps up another week. Uh, I think we've covered it all. That's it. Yeah, the albums cool. are done, and now I don't know. I thought about I was this close. I don't think I'm going to yet. But I thought about doing the same exercise, but going back through all of the side project albums, going through all the tab stuff, all the 
all the page, all the mics doing and going through all of that. Oh, and I did sort of cycle back. We're talking about Fishman and what songs he's written. I kind of went through all the liner notes on all on all the albums, and there wasn't anything specific I could find out. He's credited as writing songs with Fish. He's in there yeah. throughout. But really, the only song I could find in any of the album notes that he's specifically credited as writing is lengthwise. Um, you know, he's obviously in a lot of songs and covers a lot, sings a lot, but that's all I could really find. So yeah, respect, man. There you go. Uh, he does he he does play the trombone on um, on Junta, I think. Now is it a rusty tromboner? <laughs> no, thank you. Um, <laughs> gross. Remember when you found out what that was? <laughs> Imagine being the one to coin that term and it sticks. And now you're 30 years later trying to tell people I invented that. I but you know that one. That one made me laugh. Just I think it's the way that I found out, and uh, the angry dragon made me laugh too. Uh, yeah. Um, you can spend a lot of time in Urban Dictionary just hit, hitting randomly fine terms, and it's amazing what you can learn, what's been created out there. One of my favorites is uh, the Upper Decker. You know, the Upper Decker. <laughs> we, ha we had somebody that pulled that off from chiropractic college. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I won't explain what it is. I'll let anybody who's listening to Google it. So sorry, sorry, Grandma, if you uh, <laughs> end up on the Urban Dictionary finding out what an Upper Decker is. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, man. Well, on that note, have a great week. Uh, Thanks. Enjoy the Thanks have a good one. You've been listening to Ticket to Gamehenge. In addition to wherever you find your podcasts, you can find us on Instagram, YouTube, and of course, TicketToGameHenge.com, where you can grab a free chapter of the book, How to Get Your Friends Into Fish. Make sure you subscribe to stay up to date on the latest episodes. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep sharing in the groove.